0: This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents, which you can also access at CortezCurrents.ca. Cortez Island's 2022 bird count was on May 7th. 20 birders participated, including local naturalist George Cirque. He started the day off middleneck and later told Cortez Currents, My day was great. I, I wasn't um, even
1: counting any birds on Cortez. How's that for funny? I had a uh, job as a naturalist guide on Misty Isles, we went to uh, Middle Natch with the Malaspina naturalists. It's a tour, 12 people. So I got to count the birds on Middle Natch and and uh, add them to the list and also on the waters off of Smilt Bay. we Got to add birds there as well. So I was more a pelagic birder of the waters around Cortez. It was fun.
0: One of the DFO's biologists recently told me that cormorants normally aren't found in large colonies this far north anymore. But Middlenatch is an exception.
1: Uh Aha. That's very interesting. When I first worked on Middlenatch in 69 and 71 as a naturalist, that's where I started my career with the B.C. Parks Branch, we had about 450 pairs of pelagic cormorants there, and there were no double-crested cormorants. And there were no eagles nesting there either. And I think we had about 250 pairs of pigeon guillemots. Those are the little black birds with the white patches on the wings. They're related to puffins because they, they fly through the water with their wings. And they nest on middle natch, but the cormorants, the pelagics, nest on the sheer cliffs. On the western side of the island, they find any kind of small shelf that will just hold them. And then they make their nests out of eelgrass, primarily is what I've seen up there, and guano. And they glue these things together. The nest must be about 18 inches across or so, and they build them up over years. Some of them are like two feet high. It's all stands the southeast winds in the wintertime. I guess all that guano just was like cement, holds them together. So they're basically all the way along that cliff, which must be not quite 700 meters, something like that, and very sheer. Actually, it's so sheer it goes up about 100, 120 feet straight up, right? But just 100 yards offshore, the water there is like, 700 feet deep. Those cliffs just go straight down. It's what makes middle latch so neat, but it's got those deep water upwellings that bring up the nutrients. And that's why there's so many fish there. So you got all these pelagic cormorants going along there. Now, because we went a week ago, the cormorants are, were just arriving to their nests So I couldn't really do like a proper census because they nest a little bit later than the gulls. The gulls hatch around July the 1st. There's no eggs yet because they take about three and a half weeks to incubate. But the gulls were on territory. And the cormorants, I would guess maybe half of them were there. And I I maybe saw a hundred of them. I recall from last summer talking to the wardens that are there, that they think the population is down to, what, 200, 250. So from what is heyday, 50 years ago, when it used to be 450, it's down to about 250. So, yes, it is still a major colony, but it's not the way it was. And it goes for the gulls as well. We used to have 3,000 pairs of glaucus wing gulls. And I bet the population is down to about a thousand pairs, I believe, going down. That's primarily going down because of the garbage dumps. Uh, back then, we used to just make gigantic garbage dumps, Delta, Campbell River, and Nime, or even Victoria, even on Cortez, right? Mm-hmm. All the garbage just jumped together, including all the foods and compost and everything. So the gulls could survive in the winter, When fishing is very hard because the low tide is at night, they survived on the dumps. But then we cleaned up the dumps, all that wonderful recycling and and covering it up as soon as possible with soil and scaring the gulls away too. And because they take four years to mature, the gulls really suffered from when we cleaned up. That's my theory behind that. And I, I think it's a pretty sound theory. So when it comes to pelagic cormorants, they're there. And now there are about 25 double-crested cormorants. They are bigger birds, and they nest at the top of the cliffs, just as the cliffs round out, not quite as flat as where the gulls are. So they're like in the penthouse up there, and there's about 25 pairs there, and they didn't used to be there. That's the wonderful thing about nature. It's not stagnant, you know. And when people say a place is out of balance, well, we want it out of balance. Out of balance is what life is. It's a struggle to stay alive and populations come and go. If you want a nice, steady state where things aren't out of balance, go to Mars. Nothing happens on Mars. It's real quiet there. Here, we have change, constant change. Middle Earth was absolutely quiet covered in wildflowers. It was just a wonderful trip. So people can think about that that the first week in May is the time to go on misty aisles or go in your own boat and get to Middlenatch and catch the peak bloom waves. I actually got starlings on Middle Natch. There's a pair nesting there. And I think only one other person got starlings on Cortez. So I got to add to the starling count that way.
0: Did you see any eagles on Middlenatch?
1: In 69, 71, there were no eagles nesting there. They used to come from Cortez and do these air raid attacks and pick off the young gulls, sometimes the adults, but the adults, you know, they can take off and fly the babies can't they have to sort of run and hide they tend to be very easy picking for the eagles and then they fly back to hernando or cortez or marina and take the the food back to their young but in the late 90s or early 2000s they actually started nesting on a fir tree it's over on the side that faces campbell river but after about 10 years that tree collapsed. It was quite an old tree. So the eagles moved away. But now I see that they're actually back and they're nesting in the poplars. They they just have to go about a hundred yards and there's the colony all waiting for them. But of course, there's a truce that happens with predators and, and prey. The gulls are nesting like within a hundred feet of that nest they're not so worried about that eagle they found a good spot to nest there's so many of them the chance of the eagle getting the ones that are right next to the nest are are very small the eagle has to first take off and then the gulls of course go up in the air and take off and the the eagle has to look around and it's hard for an eagle to take a cormorant off the cliffs because it has to go right up to the cliff the cormorants of course take off the young cormorants of course when they're born They're very vulnerable to eagle predation, but there's only one pair of eagles. They raise three, four young. They're only going to kill, eat um, so many birds. The colony survives and does very well. It's actually quite an interesting symbiotic relationship because the eagles keep away the other eagles that come from Cortez or Hernando. Coming back to Cortez, I I got western grebes. That was good. I don't think anybody else got western grebes because they're the furthest Offshore, we've got um, five grebes on Cortez. One of them is extremely rare. I've never seen it. I even doubt it should be on the list, the eared grebe. But the other four, the pie-billed lives in the lakes, and the horned redneck and western are common grebes. And the horned grebe are the little ones you see really close to shore, within 100 feet even, 50 feet. Uh, Redneck grebe is maybe 100, 200. Yards offshore and deeper. In the western grebe, the fishermen used to call them hell divers because they are the largest of them and they can dive the deepest. They're the furthest offshore. You can see them a two or three miles off the coast of Cortez and that's their habitat. They can go. Uh, hundreds of feet deep, and hunt the fish. So I got the Western Greed. That was good. So you asked about highlights. Well, we got a couple of very rare sandpipers. One of them, Christiane and I have only seen once, and that's the solitary sandpiper, kind of a fitting name for a bird that's rare. Autumn got it over there at Linnea with Cory It's the size of a greater yellowlegs. At first, thought that it was a greater yellowlegs. That's a bird that's about... 15 inches high and has bright yellow legs and kind of grayish and quite a long bill. A waiter, a sandpiper, and it has a white rump. But the solitary has greenish uh, yellow legs and it has a much more grayer look and also has a a white eye ring. And so that's a highlight. And John Sprungman and Sherry Sprungman, they got um, golden plover at uh, Sprungman's Pond right there off of Bartholomew and that's a super bird. People should look up golden plover in your computer there or bird book if you have one. Beautiful black chest and a throat and then the back is, it's truly golden in color. Those are the real highlights. Apparently there's a lot of movement right now in Tofino on sandpipers. They're a little late. This cold snap that's gripping North America, really, um, seems to have affected birds. They're holding off a little bit and coming north. They they, they somehow sense that the Arctic is still frozen. It's still cold up there. All their ponds and lakes are still frozen. And so they're a little bit delayed. I've noticed that on Cortez, too. Birds seem to be like maybe a week late or so. Uh, Adrian Dorstover in Tofino has been getting incredible sandpipers, red knots and godwits. Of all these exotic birds for us. We never get those birds here. But he's been getting big numbers. He got, what, 50 knots, not spelt with a K-N-O-T. In the past, uh, gotten two or three. There's a great book he wrote, The Birds of uh, West Coast of Vancouver Island. It's a new publication I recommend. Anybody who wants to know more about the birds on the West Coast uh, to get it, it's it, lots and lots of details. These fluctuations in bird populations, the dynamics, is really quite fascinating how some birds t- sen- tend to disappear and, and, then, and then other ones come back out of the blue.
0: I wanted to ask about some specific species, like the Western screech owl.
1: I haven't heard a, a screech owl here since the mid-80s. They're very rare. What happened is the uh, barred owls moved into Cortez in the late 70s and they started eating all the small owls. The bard has taken over Cortez. There's one pair of uh, great horned owls over at Sprungman's Pond area. But um, I think the demise of the the little owls is, is linked to the, the barred owl population. They jumped the Rockies and, and they came from out east, uh, Ontario and such. And they found, wow, look at this place. And, and so they colonized British Columbia and they're everywhere. The little owls have suffered. There was a pygmy owl recorded. I think that's one that's living near Smelt Bay.
0: Were any northern goshawk spotted? it's not really their habitat
1: down here in the southern end of the island where we live all these houses and and fields and barns and roads they're a bird of the deep forest they like the wild mountains of vancouver island they like the wild parts of Northern Cortez, where there are no houses. If you wanna find a goshawk, you gotta go where there's absolutely no people. They're really shy on it. The only time they ever get caught coming down here is when they're really hungry and they'll go after some chickens perhaps. I actually haven't seen a goss here in decades. I've heard them up in Carrington, but that's an extremely rare bird.
0: Was it barn swallows that had uh, been on the decline? It's still a little early for them. Do I have incredible?
1: They supposedly appear in late April and in good numbers by about the first week in May. Don't know of any on the island right now. Sprongmans hasn't got them yet. Very soon in the next few weeks, but they're very localized. In Squirrel Cove, the health clinic in the village itself, Blue Jay Lake and Sprungman's. So we might have only five pairs on the whole island. In the 70s when I was here, there was probably the population of Cortez was 100 or 200 pairs. They used to be everywhere, but I, their migration is one of the longest of the small birds in the whole world. They go all the way to Patagonia. Argentina is a long ways away and there's a lot of perils on the way. I suspect aerial spraying in fields countries that don't restrict aerial spraying on crops by biplanes. They just smother their vegetables in poison. All the insects get wiped out. If there's any barn swallows feeding in the area as they're migrating, they get wiped out because they get the pesticides. So I suspect it's the pesticides that have really impacted the barn swallows. Their population is down to one quarter of what it used to be all across North America.
0: What about the great blue heron? Foci was asking people to report any sightings last year.
1: I think they're still threatened. There's, uh, I'm not sure if we have five pairs on the island. On that morning that we took off to go to Lund to pick up the naturalists, I saw one in Cortez Bay. They're very uh, they're very secretive as to where they're, they're actually nesting. I thought maybe it Manson's Lagoon area. Predation by eagles is a big problem for them. Yeah, it's probably the number one. It's the whole domino effect. If you have less herring, you have less salmon, you have less salmon, you have less salmon for the eagles to eat. And so the eagles, you're being very opportunistic and well-adapted to eating Anybody, actually, they'll turn to other species like great blue herons. But if there's lots of fish or dogfish, they're happier, I think, to eat that rather than filling their mouths full of feathers. What about Rufus hummingbirds? They're here. Jerry Watson down the road, he's got six bird feeders. He's got a dozen of them there. You got a duck when you go out on this deck. They're just flying around with their little pointed beaks. They're they're the more aggressive of the two species, right? So the Anna's takes back seat to the rufus when the rufus turn up from their Mexican holiday. The rufus get really bossy. But the males will be leaving very soon. Uh, They're waiting here a little bit longer than normal because there's too much snow in the mountains. They'll be going to the alpine uh, meadows of, of our mountains that surround us. And they leave all the raising of the young to the females.
0: I mean, number for the total no, population of birds. No, just
1: what I got, and that's just the ones so I, I keep track of that. But as far as the island, though, we, we don't know. The, the count is in the spring is very different in, in from the Christmas bird count. In Christmas bird count, everybody keeps track of the numbers of species. And I've tried to convince the museum that really we should be putting down the numbers of species. And it didn't really make sense to do that, was the argument, because we all went together as a group. And we went from one area to another, or a hollyhock or Smell Bay. And then we went to Whale Town and had permission to go to Plunger Pass. And we were all together, carpooling together. It was kind of hard to say, well, this is how many birds are on Cortez, because it was only the ones that we would see as a group. But now the dynamics has changed. It's like the Christmas bird count now. is We're all in pairs or singly. and The whole island is divided up the spring bird count was done with the same format as the Christmas bird count. If this is going to be the pattern in the future, I'm going to encourage them then to collect the numbers because that's really what we need. We need to know the dynamics of the population changes over time. Every day now there's a new species of bird arriving on Cortez. And if not every day, every two or three days, that's the wonderful thing. I, I step outside and I go, Oh, the warbling vireos are back. And that was two days ago. And they've just started to sing. And I've heard them now in different parts of the island. And they they come in waves. They come together. It's quite neat how those birds, they're solitary in a way, but they're arriving all at the same time. All the warbling vireos come within a few days. Birds are very punctual as to when they arrive. I did not mention that it seems like birds are a little late, and I think it's this cool weather, but black-headed grosbeaks have invaded Tofino. Adrian never used to get them, and now he says he's got eight at his feeder. I noticed they arrived here in the last week. We still don't have very many western tanagers. I heard one, but I noticed the count didn't get any. Well, they should have been here. People with a lot of the birds, all you hear is their song. So people really need to concentrate on learning the songs. And there's lots of websites. Cornell University website is the very best. You know, you can go there and you can put in any bird's name, get it off the checklist that I mentioned, and then they'll give you the bird and they'll give you a description, but they'll also give you the song of the bird. And then you go, oh, that is what I've been hearing. I do 90% of my birding with my ears. I go, oh, that's great. There, there, that's the old Western (laughs) flycatchers. Trip. It's neat to see the flycatchers starting to arrive. Somebody got an early nighthawk, but they're not due till normally till about the 5th of June. They're the last bird to come and the first ones to leave. They leave in the first week of September. They don't like lousy weather. They like it nice and warm. So if people are wondering when it's going to get warm, 5th of June, when the nighthawks turn up, <laughs> they'll bring a heat wave up.
0: <laughs> Do you have any final thoughts? It's really neat that
1: 20 plus people partook in the count and the museum has to be commended for collecting all this information. You got all these bird lists coming in and Gina at the museum. It takes a long time to go through all those emails and then add the birds to the list. It's encouraging that so many people have, you know, really taken on bird watching and birding, you know, com- You know, when I first came here, I was pretty well the only fanatical birder, and so was Adrian Dorst. And then Barry Mottishaw and John got really got into it too. Now there's, I would say, at least 30 people on Cortez who are quite keen on birding.
0: Fourteen lists were handed into the Cortez Museum. After Gina finished the tally, there was a list of 92 different species observed on Cortez and Neck Islands during the bird count. You've been listening to George Sirk's account of the day. This is Roy Hales with Cortez Currents. Goodbye.